0: This is Dr. Jonathan Hansen.
1: I want to welcome you all once again to the Warning Radio Program. Special guest, Senior Pastor Don Beasley, Dixon, Illinois, Turning Point City Church. Don, welcome back.
2: Hey, good morning. So good to be back.
1: Well, I want to just uh, continue a little bit where we left off last time, talking about America's Christian heritage and how we've become a nation facing unprecedented problems. I'm just going to read a paragraph that I wrote on February 2021. It's very applicable to this day. It says, The radical left hates the Constitution, which was written to protect people from a tyrannical government. It was written to protect life, liberty, and property of the people. It was meant to be the supreme law of the land and was executed by born-again Christians who love the rule of law and justice for all. Now the Constitution is being attacked and vilified by the very people who have been sworn to enforce it. The Democratic Party hates the Constitution, and so do do most leading educational institutions in America, as well as the fake news media. They all feel the Constitution is obsolete and systematically racist. They make allegations that the white man formed the American Constitution and it protects the white man's wealth. Thus, they must destroy white supremacy. Democratic Party leaders such as Barack Hussein Obama, Hillary Clinton, Nancy Pelosi, and many others whose loyalties are with a Communist, Islamic ideology, philosophy, and religion are supporting revolutionary groups such as Black Lives Matter and Antifa. They want to attack the Constitution and way of life in order to topple the United States government, which was built on the Constitution and implement their own communistic government. Now, I did a live one-hour syndicated radio talk program last night, and I'll tell you, we are under direct attack. They're trying to topple the Constitution, topple the American Republic. Uh, We know, you and I, that... uh, uh, well let's just take a, for instance, in, in, in 1811, the Supreme Court ruled it was unconstitutional to remove the Bible from school curriculums. At that time, the court sentenced a man who tried to remove it to three months in jail. 1878 in Reynolds versus the United States government, the Supreme Court ruled that Christianity and government could not be separated since government is built upon the Bible and Christian beliefs. Then John Jay, the first Chief Justice, one of the three authors of the Constitution, asserted, It is the duty of the nation to see that it has Christian leaders. Now, we could go on and on, and and I want to uh, hear some of your opinions Don, but we were supposed to be run by Christian leaders. That's what the Constitution uh, was formed for and by.
2: Don? Exactly. That's, uh, I think that, you know, when you look at uh, history, when Ben Franklin left the Constitutional Convention, he was asked by Elizabeth Powell of Philadelphia, you know, what have you given us, a republic or a monarch? Franklin replied, a republican, if you can keep it. Yes. And so there's one of the people that were there in the beginning when it happened. And he, he realized that this experiment that they had created was so much different than anything in the world that it would you know it, it would be a force to be reckoned with. Because what they had done is, you know, James Wilson, the signer of Declaration of Independence in the U.S. Constitution, and was appointed to the Supreme Court by President Washington. He said, after 6,000 years has elapsed since creation, the United States exhibits to the world the first instance of a nation assembling voluntarily and calmly concerning the system of government by which they they and their posterity should live. And so the founders chose meticulously to name the power of the king and give it to the people. The government of America from the bottom up, not the top down. It's been said over and over again by those who established our government That the sovereigns or the kings of America is its people, or more correctly, its citizens. Now, what's really important to understand about that is, is that we become the citizen kings with all these checks and balances and whatever. But what's really, really interesting in that whole thing is, is that the problem is, that since the fall of humanity in the garden? We all have a little dictator in our DNA, our flesh. And power like gravity concentrates in the hands of the most ambitious people who then reward their friends and punish their enemies. And that's what we see going on today, is small groups of these citizen kings trying to I think they're trying to reconstitute the crown and all of these different things. And what they're using is favoritism, is the rule of the day with kings and with this dictator personality. And if you please the king, you're shown favoritism. If you displease him, you're stripped of your possessions, and therefore uh, there was no influence if not killed altogether. We've all experienced how favoritism fuels this corruption in us to take credit for things you didn't do in order to please someone and to get ahead. And, And I think that's why Thomas Jefferson says power corrupts, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. And I think that's where we just find ourselves today is this, The battle that we're in is the trying this to build this concept of trying to take all the little pieces of the crown that were given to the citizens and take it back and put it into some elite monarch that's gonna tell everybody else how to live and what they should do.
1: Well, you're right. I know John Quincy Adams said and we mentioned it last week, that the glory of the revolution was the bonding of government and Christianity. The bonding.
2: Yeah, exactly. I I think one of the most powerful things that I see in the beginning is George Washington, his first president of America, at a time when kings around the world killed to keep their power. He gave up his power. And people were amazed around the world when he stepped down because they wanted to make him the king of America. And it said to the painter by the name of Benjamin West that King George III of England asked, what General Washington intended to do now that he's won the war and West replied, they say he'll return to his farm and King George is if he does that, he'll be the greatest man in the world. Wow. And so, and, and that, that same George Washington said, it said if freedom of speech is taken away, then the dumb and silent may be led like sheep to slaughter. And, and I think that's where we see these attacks today. The attacks today that we're seeing up on our Constitution is not the preamble of the Constitution. It's the Bill of Rights. Because the Bill of Rights are the handcuffs that were put on uh, the government, not so that it couldn't interfere and take this stuff back from the Citizen Kings. These are our rights. But two, more and more people know nothing about these things. If you ask people, they can't, they can't speak past one sentence. As a matter of fact, most of them even know they're in the Constitution at all,
1: I know. They've they've really uh, done a good job of replacing history, replacing uh, the historical facts about how America was formed by what type of people. I mean, that's because we have so many communists and and Islamics and socialists in the universities right now teaching. They're brainwashing American students.
2: Right. I read a story this morning by a friend of mine. And he said he was in uh, Nigeria, and they had a flat tire on their car. And uh, anyway, the driver of the car had to leave to go get help. And while he was gone, he was surrounded by a gang of Nigerian men who were Muslim. Okay. And so they said they looked in the car and said, "You look like a Jewish person or Hebrew to us. Are you a Are you born again? or you believe in Christ?" And so he told them who he, you know that I am. And so they asked him. Well, they asked him first. Is they ask him what do you, what do you think about Muhammad? And and he said that uh, he, he didn't know what to do. So he thought for a minute, and he just prayed. And he said that he his response to them was is that the Quran teaches, uh, and then Muhammad taught that, that Jesus uh, would return to the world to bring salvation to all people, and therefore, if you're a follower of the of the Koran and Muhammad, you should be born again. <laughs> and uh, anyway, before, and he said, I just thought that's probably my last sermon. And he said, before the, they left, they asked him to pray for them, and they all bowed their heads. And he he asked him to pray for. He asked that God would reveal Himself to them and show them how to be born again. And what was really interesting is his response was is that now's not the time to shy away from preaching the gospel. Now's the time to preach the gospel from the bottom of
1: our heart. Well, you're, abs- uh, you're, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. We n- we need fearless faith, Don. Fearless faith. And uh, in Islamic theology, uh, Jesus does come back uh, supposedly to save mankind, but he does it in a revolutionary way. He comes back to destroy the Jews and the Christians and bring a world of peace i tell you what, uh, uh, it's a little twisted, but if we can, uh, I do know that Muslims are f- looking for truth. They're looking for truth, like you shared. And there's a great revival in the Middle East right now with even the Lord appearing in visions and dreams. Because the Bible says, if you really want to find me, I'll reveal myself to you. But we have to. Uh, truth takes away deception. We have to be fearless, Don. We have to speak the truth, the truth in love, but we have to speak it
2: exactly no it's a i think that that's you know the one thing that we need to realize is that that the, you know the reality is is that no one they can't hear if somebody doesn't speak they totally. can't know if somebody doesn't tell them and they can't see if somebody doesn't show them
1: yes yes
2: um, and so we talk about having a great awakening but we act like this great awakening is going to fall out of the sky and it's just going to happen and when you go look at the Great Awakenings, that's not how they happen.
1: That's exactly right. As a matter of
2: fact, what's really interesting about our founding fathers is that the language they used in the Constitution was directly out of the sermons of the preacher, specifically Whitfield. Yes. Up and down that because they were the ones that were preaching the freedom of the individual to have peace and happiness given from God. And so when they talked about these rights being given from God, it was coming from the preaching. Yes um, and so it was really interesting that that we, we failed to realize that part how much that the preaching of the gospel from the Bible had to do with the writing of our Constitution and the Bill of Rights yes these people that formed our government in the beginning and so it's very 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 powerful I find one of the interesting things to me is George Washington. And on September the 19th, 1776, he talked about these checks and balances in the exercise of political power and dividing these different depositories and guarding against the invasion of the others. And he said to preserve them, must be necessary to institute them. Today, there's an attack on our institutions because these institutions were instituted that there would be no. No uh, change by usurpation, and they use that word a lot. Usurpation, for though this is in one instance maybe an instrument of good, it's the customary weapon by which supreme governments are destroyed. George Washington said, and so he said there can be no usurpation, and so the institutions that were established, the original institutions, were established through these what we call the Bill of Rights, and so. The very first one they dealt with was the separation of the state from the church, not the church from the state. All of, most of those men were believers in some way or another. But what they said is, Congress shall make no law respecting the establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. Basically, tying Congress hands from making any laws against religion. And they, they, they do it all the time. And, he said, and what George Washington said, what seems to be the instrument of good in one moment of time will become the weapon of which a free government is destroyed in the next battle of time. And so when you look at George Washington, he wrote about it to the Baptist churches. He said this, if I could have entertained the slightest apprehension that the Constitution framed by the convention where I had the honor to preside might possibly endanger religious rights of any ecclesiastical society. Certainly, I would have never placed my signature on it. And then Jefferson viewed the wall as impenetrable. He said, I consider the government of the United States as interdicted, prohibited by the Constitution from intermeddling with religious institutions, their doctrines, disciplines, or exercise. In his second inaugural address in March 1805, he said, "In matters of religion, I have considered it as free; its free exercise is placed by the Constitution independent of the powers of the general federal government." In James Madison, he said, "There is no shadow of right in the general federal government to intermeddle with religion. The subject is for the honor of America, perfectly unshackled. The government has no jurisdiction whatsoever over it." And so I. I just, I find it like if you just go, they bury all this stuff, you know, but it's in their writings clear front and central about how they viewed the church and how they viewed religion and and how connected it was to the constitution and to the government they had established to the point that they said that it's for moral and religious people and is totally inadequate for any other.
1: No, you're absolutely right. Uh, You've mentioned George Washington a couple of times, you know, he made a statement that reason and experience both have forbidden us to expect that national morality can prevail in the exclusion of religious principles. Wow.
2: Yep.
1: Like you you said, they've buried everything. They don't want to bring out reality. But um, what the... Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. What the Founder Fathers wanted prevented you know, uh, they, they just broke free from the king, uh, England, and his uh, tyrannical form of uh, religion that, that uh, was uh, anti-scriptural. It was against the scriptures in many ways and dominated and controlled people. And uh, born-again Christians, uh, they had to flee. And uh, the same way with, uh, you get into, uh, if we want to say, uh, the Pope, and how they, in the Great Inquisition, 65 million Christians were killed. So uh, they didn't want that, but they did want us to be free to follow God according to our own conscience, according to the Bible, the Bible, not not again right. where man uses, and then he has church tradition and, and other forms of writings to try to control people.
2: Right. And then when you look at American history, you know, there's these events that happen in history that that we're not careful of. And it's what George Washington talked about, these usurpations that happened. Like one of the interesting ones is the great Irish potato famine in the early 1800s resulted in millions of Irish Catholics immigrating to America, giving rise to the thing called the anti-sectarian blame amendment, preventing state tax money from going to Catholic schools. And so what they did is they, they we have this freedom of religion or whatever, but they took and they, and they so they did this thing with Catholics and then so then from there they went so that's that was the beginning and then they just started removing tax money from any Christian school at all, which almost all the schools at that time were Christian. Yes. Not not publicly Christian. And so they started saying Christian schools or a sect can't have any money from this or that or whatever. And that was a that was one them the Blaine amendments were one of the first usurpations of Congress where they actually made a a usurpation against the First Amendment uh, that was uh, absolutely unbelievable and it went over because they convinced people that the Catholic schools were unworthy to receive any federal money and so then the next thing you know it comes to that no Christian school can receive any money and then in 1859 Darwin published the original Species and Herbert Spencer coined the term survival of the fittest and advocated applying Darwin's evolutionary theory to other areas of academia as well. So now they start this whole concept of not only human evolution, but everything, evolution of the law, evolution of the government, evolution of everything. And then in 1868, the 14th Amendment forced Southern Democrats to grant rights to freed slaves. And then in 1870, a Harvard law professor, Christopher Columbus Langdell, pioneered applying evolution to the legal process, and he innovated the case precedent of practicing law. And so, then, from that point on, you have Supreme Court justices unelected, appointed for life, and two types of justices emerge: those who hold that the law should keep to the meaning of those who wrote them, and those who hold that the laws can evolve and have new meaning at the justices' discretion. And so, we don't under we, when we, we we talk about this stuff on this end, but we don't really pay attention to how we got to these things and it, how we got to where we are right now was a usurpation. Of things that we thought were good in that moment that then they come forward to now just like all these gun laws or whatever they want to do it's an attack on the Second Amendment and they want to destroy the Second Amendment so they get people to afraid of or fearful of all different kind of things if you just let us pass these laws and take this away we'll stop this they're lying cuz it's not gonna stop it but what they want to do is they want to take these handcuffs off of, of that are put there in place of these Rights are given to us by God, and they want to take them back so that they can institute a tyrannical government of of an elite, and then eventually it will be a king.
1: Well, exactly. I mean, it's just common sense uh, that guns don't kill people. People kill people. Uh, Automobiles. There's more people dying on the roads every day. Do we ban the automobile? I mean, um, do we ban airplane uh, from flying in the skies. Uh, what what do we ban? We have to ban everything and just keep you at home.
2: Right. Well, I mean, that's kind of what they're wanting to do, you know. It's too just, it's just dangerous for you to walk outside, you know, get a virus, you know, or whatever, you know, all this crazy stuff, you know, they want you to wear a mask and all these different things like that. But, you know, we see this usurping of the court happening. And, I mean, you got to understand that it was Thomas Jefferson, who talked about the court, what he said about the court, he said that in there he talked about that that the germ of disillusion of our federal government is in the federal judiciary working like gravity night and day, gaining a little today and a little tomorrow and advancing its noiseless step like a thief over the field of jurisdiction until all shall be usurped from the state. And he was talking about that whole concept of the Supreme Court. And we watched it happen. In our lifetime, we watched a couple happen. The last usurping we saw was when five, not nine, five unelected judges overhauled the 6,000-year-old definition of marriage and imposed on its 350 million citizen kings. And this, this this whole thing about changing marriage so that homosexuals and the lesbians can be married and whatever was put on the ballot in 17 states. And every time it was put on the ballot, including in California, it fails miserably. So then, so they couldn't get it to pass through the people. So five unelected judges in robes overhauled that. And then shortly after that, they not only overhauled that, they're the ones who gave us all this LBGTQ stuff. And they're the ones that's going to enshrine it into law and make it so that you can't talk about it or you'll commit a hate crime. And we have to make no mistake that that's what the Kavanaugh battle and the and the Coney battle is all over. Conservative judges our original constructions who believe the Constitution be interpreted as written. This seat put a major roadblock to the progressive minority free reign to force these ignorant ideas and policies on America that could never get through the ballot box or through any amendment process. And the five oh one C three laws that attempt to limit religious groups from being involved in politics are completely unconstitutional. Religion, especially the Christian faith, has an inked in exemption in the First Amendment of the Bill of Rights as it was written originally. And I, and I think it's high time for the church to understand that and to stand up and say, wait a minute. Not only are we individual citizen kings, we have ink in the Constitution that prohibits you from doing this to us. And we're going to keep these handcuffs on this monster.
1: You've been listening to the Warning Radio Program. This is Dr. Jonathan and Special guest has been Senior Pastor Don Beasley. We're going to continue in this line next week. I want to get to a Christian's responsibility to a hostile government. I also want to get to the great falling away, Protestants and the Pope. And if we have time, kings, dictators, and presidents, kings, dictators, and presidents. People say, well, God put so-and-so in the office. God did not put Barack Hussein into office. The dysfunctional church put him into office. Uh, Don, again, I'm going to see you next week And uh, continue, ladies and gentlemen Go on my website, www.worldministries.org Click on Eagles Saving Nation Subscribe Once again, we need a third person of the Trinity Operating powerfully through the church So they have the boldness, boldness to speak the truth I'll see you next week